Hey, it's Chell. And Josh. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Unstuck, Unstuck Institute. Institute. Stuck in a day job you hate? Not sure to start and grow your own business? The Unstuck Institute podcast is all about helping you take your next step on the road to working for yourself. Hey, hey, Unstuckers, Chell and Josh coming at you with another episode of the Unstuck Institute. Say hey, 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 Josh. Hey, hey, hey. This week, we have Hank Hoffmeyer on with us. He is an author, a speaker, and a podcast host, as well as a senior manager of client success at iConnect. And today, we're talking about work frolic. When you think of this word, what does this mean to you? Honestly, the word uh, just seemed fun to say. I didn't think too much about it. Uh, but in, in uh, you know, disassembling it, I think frolicking while you're working sounds potentially dangerous. But he, he explains it better than that. <laughs> could be dangerous, could be really fun. But I think Hank gives us a ton of awesome practical information um, from having like 20 years of experience in not only the marketing industry, but also as a solopreneur slash former side hustler slash current side hustler. We get some really good multi-perspective info. Yeah. And he's got a great story about building a very, very successful permanent side hustle that he eventually sells off. So if you're just thinking, I don't ever want to quit my job, but I do want to start a business. This is the episode for you because he's got a cool story about that. And without further ado, Hank Hoffmeyer. Hank, thank you so much for being on our show. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Hank Hoffmeyer. I'm the digital marketing infotainer because I like to make marketing fun and successful. I'm also a senior manager at J2 Global. I'm a manager of client solutions. That means I wear many hats. It allows me to do what I love to do and what I'm really good at, and that is helping companies and marketers figure out their digital marketing campaigns, mostly email, but I also dabble with pay-per-click and social media. And because I'm a work of frolic, uh, which is a hat I'm wearing today, says work of frolic, I have a lot of other things going on. I'm also on the board of the American Marketing Association, the Triangle Chapter, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we help marketers succeed. I run a division that helps marketers find jobs, as well as I am a SCORE mentor helping small business owners or people that want to become business owners successfully start up or develop their business. That was just a little bit about me. That was fantastic. So, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot going on in a lot of different places. So I guess from a, from a solopreneur perspective, like how do you manage your time just to start out? Like how do you manage all of that on your schedule? Because I'm a work of frolic, I really love what I do. And, and there's that phrase, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Now, I don't agree with that holistically, but <laughs> if you really love what you do, you do more of it. Uh, a phrase that I love to say is, I work when I need to, play when I want to. Uh, most people have this mindset, even as a business owner or, or as an employee, that I have to work from eight to five and you know, then work stops and life starts where if you can figure out, especially as an entrepreneur, that, hey, one day I might have something coming up in my life at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at an appointment, or I have to go see my family and do something, that's okay. But there might be times where you have to work at six, seven, eight o'clock at night. 
Uh, in other words, since I'm kind of in client solutions, a client might have a problem after hours at night or on the weekend, and I want to make sure that customer feels supported, but then there might be something that I need to do during the business hours in a week, and I'll do that if I need to. It's kind of like being flexible with your work, with your hours, but just making sure that you, know, you have goals and you're meeting those goals. You can't say, I have a goal of getting my business to $3 million in three years, but yet only work 20 hours a week. That's just not plausible. Uh, maybe if you win the lottery, you know, you can circumvent that process and those goals, but you have to work hard and sometimes play hard if you can. I always talk about the fact that I do work a lot and people feel like, or, or maybe the perception is that I'm always working. It's not true, but I'm putting a lot of content out. I'm helping a lot of people. I'm doing a lot of things, but I also take the time to unwind and relax. And again, just to reinforce, if you really love what you do, you'll end up doing more of it because it's not as taxing or stressful. I think that was very well put. Uh, winning the lottery is my secret backup plan for growing my business. <laughs> How's that going not, for you, Josh? It's not a good plan by any means. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I completely understand that uh, what you're saying about having space or flexibility with, with your time to do what you want um, and what you need to do at the time. There's a lot of people out there who will say, you know, if you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, there's no one watching over you. So you need to like um, have very, very hard boundaries, right, about things. And I think, you know, kind of tying in what you're saying, it's, it's, it's all about the person. Some people need very rigid, like, at this time, I will stop doing this and start doing that. And, and other people like, like you definitely, and it sounds like me, um, I, I, I didn't have such a lovely little phrase until now, but I definitely work when I need to and I play when I want to. And especially for my business, it's, it's service-based. So people call me and sometimes I don't know how busy I'm going to be in the upcoming day. And so if nobody calls, I'm, I'm doing what I want. And as soon as people call, it's like, cool, I, I need to work now. Like you say, sometimes it's work on the weekends. Sometimes the weekends are off, you know, sometimes Monday and Thursday are my weekends because it's just how it happens to be. You know, like, I think also it's how bad do you want it? Growing up, I, I didn't have the best self-esteem. I always thought people didn't think greatly of me. I uh, thought that I wouldn't be included in social circles and that and bleed it over into the business world when I'd go to networking events. I'd be the proverbial fly on the wall. You know, the only time I'd move around the room is if there was food and hors d'oeuvres and I'd go get some food and, and eat and, and then try to interrupt some conversations. But I always felt like if two people or a group of people were talking, I wouldn't want to interrupt because I'm not that interesting. And I think I had to overcome that and I have this fear of failure. And I talk about this thing called, if you act like you're going to lose it, you're going to work harder to keep it. And that may basically works into your personal life, your business life, whatever you want to correlate that to. In other words, if you work like you're going to lose your job, then you're going to work harder, you can do better, produce more quality and, and make yourself visible. Uh, if you act like you're going to lose your spouse, uh, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, you're going to work harder to keep that relationship. And I think you mentioned something about 
having people hold you accountable. I hold myself accountable. I have that voice always in the back of my head saying, I don't want to fail and I'll work harder. But for those that don't have that, and I understand there are folks that don't have that mindset, you need to have an accountability partner. And that can be a friend or somebody in your network or pay a coach or a mentor to work with you and say, where did you get on your goals? You know, how are you doing with your work-life balance? Are you getting burnt out, stressed out? Let's work on that and celebrate the successes together. I'm pretty good at doing that on my own. Again, I know people that they, they struggle with doing things on their own and finding those boundaries or even just measuring where they are with their goals. Having that accountability manager is crucial. So you mentioned earlier that like in networking groups, you were the fly on the wall. Um, and I also was listening to your podcast the other week or so. And you mentioned that you had started your podcast initially to kind of just get better at speaking. So how did those two go hand in hand? And how are you, how have you come so far since then? I mean, you're making eye contact with me right now. You don't feel like a fly on the wall in this conversation, you know? (laughs) I struggle with being out and being social because I'm kind of a technical mindset. I think black and white and I'm not always staying up on politics and all these things. So it's hard for me to inject myself in certain conversations, but I know it's important to have a strong network and be social. And I've always pushed myself beyond the boundaries to ensure that, Hey, I don't want to go over and interrupt that conversation, but let me go over, stand there. And if there's a second or two pause, I'm going to try to inject myself. And I've done that a few times, even in the past year, you know, before the pandemic. And I get this look on their face and I feel like they're sitting here saying, hey, he interrupted our conversation. But that's not the fact. That's just the way I feel. And I still have to get over that. And it's just something that I've developed over time. And I started my podcast because I wanted to be a better public speaker. And there's no better way than to go back and listen to yourself a recording and hear all those ums, ahs, and um so's. It allowed me to listen to those. And I also took a speaking course to help reduce those filler words. And the, the, the best thing that happened during that course was the gentleman would have you get up and speak in front of a group. And every time you said so, you'd say, no, so for you. I did not say Yes, I did. (laughs) And now I find myself pausing and I'll say it in my mind because I know it's a word that wants to fill the void, but I don't say it. And then there's that half a second pause, but it feels like three seconds to me. And it's painful. If I stop right now for like half a second, it's going to be painful, but I know it's going to make me a better speaker. Think about all of the intelligent speakers out there. Uh, people that have PhDs, lawyers, that's one area I looked at. I went to courthouses and listened to lawyers speak. They have long pauses because they're gathering their thoughts, but it makes them look like they're so professional and knowledgeable. Why can't we do that as marketers or, or whatever you're doing? It's just something that I've always progressed with. And I also wanted to make sure that my podcast was on the Amazon Alexa. I wanted to go and write a skill for that. And I was able to do that. And, and even now, I feel like when I get in front of the camera myself and do my episodes that are shorter, just little tips and tricks, I feel like I'm not providing a lot of value. And I always say, I think I'm going to wind down my podcast. It's like 250 episodes in and maybe every four episodes I always say I'm going to quit. And uh, it's a lot of work and, and people are not getting value out of it. But then I always get great feedback on either episodes I've done on my own or ones where I've had uh, guests on my show. And recently... 
<laughs> guest on my show got feedback that I was a great interviewer. Not not saying that the guest wasn't great. He probably was, but that I was a great interviewer. It seems like I'm really good at bringing out content in people. But I like being on the other side of the microphone like we are today because I enjoy these conversations. And if somebody can learn from my journey and my knowledge, I want to get it out there. And even if it's 20 listeners, 100 listeners, 2,000, 5,000 listeners, I think it's worthy. Yeah. So let's go back to um, let's go back to the thought of working like you're going to lose it. So, in my mind, the 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 objection that comes to mind for some people might be: if I think I'm going to lose it, why should I put effort into it? Right? If you go too far down that path, it it becomes like, oh, I'm going to lose it anyway, so I might as well not work at it what do you say to those types of people or people who lean that way in their mindset how do you how do you get them from going too far that way Uh, yeah i think that that there's a line there you know the thought of work like you're going to lose it means that you have hope and you have the ability to retain that it's just like with customer service if you're trying to retain a client if they call you up and they're bashing your product service whatever it is and, and they say you're too expensive you're possibly going to lose that client, but will you? That That's TBD. It's to be determined. It depends on the conversation. Maybe you can match the price of, a, of the competitor and get them to sign an annual contract, or maybe you can shore up the deficiencies in your product or service and, and make them happy again. People just want to be heard and things need to be done. Uh, it, I guess it comes down to your drive, your work ethic. Are you willing to put in the hard work to get it done. And if you're a restaurant owner and you know, the pandemic hits and you don't have a website, you don't have a curbside takeout and you don't want to put any effort or money into it. Yeah. It's going to fail. And you're, it's probably not worth putting anything into that. We have a, a Mexican restaurant right down the street from us here. It's, I live in a remote area where there's only like three places within 12 miles to get anything to eat. They did not have, an online menu. They did not have curbside takeout, but they adapted really quickly. They, they threw up a website and they started bringing food out to cars and they're thriving. I mean, I've seen other businesses that have had online menus and they just can't figure some things out and they ended up closing it. It just depends on how adaptive you are. You know, I think I, I think I just came up with the, the official title of my next book because I'm actually writing a lot of what we're talking about in a secondary book uh, that I'm writing. It should be like Confessions of a Work of Frolic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what what have you done or what examples do you have from your life, your business, where um, your ability to, to let that to be determined that uh, – work like you're going to lose it mentality, uh, save a situation or just even not, not even necessarily a situation that needs saving, but just um, like get you reengaged enough to make the situation better than it otherwise would have. Does that make sense? That's a great question because there is a story I tell you know about my life that I probably didn't correlate it in a fashion that you just, in a way you just asked that question. Back in 2004, I was between jobs. I was in staffing back then. I worked for a Fortune 500 staffing company called Kelly Services. And I was laid off and I said, oh my God, how am I going to bring in income for my family and pay the mortgage, put food on the table? Um, 
prior to that in high school, I did a lot of landscaping. I cut lawns and that's how I bought all the cool things I wanted when I was a youngster. I decided to buy a trailer and a truck. I already had really good equipment because I had an acre of land that I had to maintain. And I like to have good equipment because I used to do landscaping. And I spun up a landscaping business right away. And then six months later, you know, I had a few clients and my manager called me and said, hey, we'd love to have you come back. And I was able to get into a management position. I was able to make more money. But I said, hey, I started this successful business and, and I want my wife to stay home to, to care for my young children. It was actually my daughter at the time. And then later we had my son. I wanted my wife to be able to stay home and be a stay home mom. I decided to keep that landscaping business and just work on the weekends, mostly on Saturdays. And I kept that business for 12 years. I think it's three years now. I just sold that business wow. three years ago uh, for a decent amount of money. I had somebody helping me up until the last few years where he was doing some work during the week and the weekend. I think I was making about, you know, revenue, $30,000 off of that part-time landscaping company per year. That was supplemental. And to me, that, that made me feel good that I had a successful business that was kind of a, you know, work when you need to play when you want to kind of thing. It did eat into my weekends a lot, but when, when I was able to, I had the gentleman that worked for me, uh, do some work and maybe if I wanted to go to the beach for the weekend, I would do that, but just not as often as I can now. And I think that's a perfect example of saying, hey, if you want something, you really have to go after it. And sometimes, you know, hey, do I give up and just go on? Uh, no, I didn't do that. I started a business. It took a few hundred dollars and I figured it out, had some goals and said, hey, I need to get X amount of clients. I need to hit the streets, put flyers in mailboxes, speak to people, get the business, do great work, get and how I grew that business was through referrals. Most of my clients came from referrals from my current clients and it allowed me to have houses right next to each other, which is, I don't know if you know anything about landscaping, but every time you have to drop the tailgate on the trailer and bring your equipment off, that's time. But if you can drop the tailgate and cut five, six lawns all in one shot, you're saving a lot of time, a lot of gas, everything. And it just grew that. And I wanted to focus more on my, my speaking. Uh, what do you want to call it? Events, I guess, if you call that, or going to conferences, which made me have to travel and I figured it's time to sell that business so I can focus on helping other people grow their business more. And that's why I decided to sell it. Nice. That's a great side hustle success story right there. And I think too, one thing you mentioned is it took a couple hundred dollars or whatever um, to start it up. I think that's a great thing. If anyone's thinking about starting some kind of business and they don't know what about a service-based industry is you don't necessarily need a lot of capital to get started if you're um if you're selling your time which you know you are with landscaping which i did with my it business fixing computers um i also started my business with a few hundred dollars to get a website up get a some basic equipment that i needed and boom i was off and running and then same thing referrals uh generates more quality customers than anything else and i don't have the same benefits of like they necessarily live next to each other and that helps my time but i totally see how that works in landscaping i can tell you from experience it works really well with personal chefing too back-to-back houses there you go go. just walk over to this kitchen i mean i do appreciate when i don't drive across the city to my next appointment that's that's helpful and a lot of times with 
I guess if you call it service-based industries where you're doing work for people and you, it's not where you're putting development work in, et cetera, not buying a lot of products. You can just, you know, plumber, electrician, landscaper, IT person. You really just need to invest in some tools. If you want to be a photographer, just buy a decent camera and start going out and doing it. And if you say, well, I can't get business because there's a lot of competitors in my area and there's well-known people doing it. You know, or say I'll cut your lawn for free, and you, if you love how it looks, you know, pay me, and then sign a contract for a year. Uh, same thing with photography or IT. Let me help you optimize your network and your computer. And if you like it, let, let's figure out a term agreement where I'm maintaining your your computers for the next quarter, or, uh, half year. Think differently about how you're going to grow your business. You don't have to do everything just like everyone else is doing. There's different ways of excelling and growing your business. Yeah. I think especially this year, people really have to think outside the box because there are so many people going to the entrepreneur world or the solopreneur world because they've been laid off or haven't worked in several months. So really finding a way to make yourself different while still providing value is imperative. There's so much opportunity out there right now and people just are not seeing it. They're stressing out they're freaking out because they can't go out and eat a meal somewhere or they feel like they can't get a job i just heard about you know there's more and more online weddings now and on zoom and, and you know what this is doing now when this is over it's going to change i think because i heard someone had a wedding and her 75 year old mother could not come to the wedding because she is very ill and would not have been able to travel if it was in person but she was yet able to see the wedding hopefully after the pandemic, people will still have virtual weddings in person and virtual. Why hasn't somebody thought of this earlier? I don't know why, but maybe you can come up with a solution to a problem that's out there. Necessity is the mother of invention. I think too, I just saw a Facebook ad like last week for uh, a, a con a digital conference in a box kind of, um, software right and i was like i have not seen this like so well packaged together and so uh distilled messaging into like hey do you normally run a conference but you can't because a pandemic like boom here you go and i was like that is brilliant that is someone thinking you know what problem i could solve because they have you know the right skills in coding or web development or whatever is is i can make the transition to an online conference really easy and, and so somebody, and I'm sure many somebodies have started that this year, <laughs> similar to yeah, Zoom that's weddings. That's a tough and, one, though. You cannot replace the in-person interaction. I, I feel like people are really clamoring to go back to in-person. Oh, yeah. I think that a lot of times conferences used to have recordings available after three, four days. I see where they'll be in person, but also online at the same time. And someone's going to come up with a way to really have a really useful way to interact with others that are in a virtual room hop in is one right now that kind of uh, is trying to make change i, I think they're getting the idea but there's got to be this breakout way of being able to help folks like me that used to be uh, socially inept and didn't want to you know start a conversation but i think it's easier to do it digitally and and yeah i, I think that there's some great ideas and some of them are going to flop and some of them are going to be great yeah, totally. They're, like you say, they're going to pivot again. They pivoted great to make the online thing. And then they're going to, once the world opens up again, they're going to need to pivot into a, a dual kind of space. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, Hank, you're a podcast host. You're also in the business of helping people grow and start their businesses. Here's a high pressure question. 
what's like the best advice you've got, you've heard of? What's what's the thing you love to say to people over and over again that people who are just starting out might need to hear? Always be learning. Read books, take courses, watch YouTube videos, write content, speak to people like me and you guys, you know, get on podcasts, start a podcast, get out there, do things and just learn new skills, new information. I think that helped me get over having a conversation, you know, at networking events, what are you going to talk about? And then all of a sudden you start reading all these different types of books, news, then you can just inject yourself into a conversation because I'll talk about something and be like, oh my God, I read a book about that three months ago. Here's my input and here's what I learned from that book. And you have that conversation. Always be learning so that you can always be better. Number one, what is your bucket list travel destination? I don't have a specific location, but before I met my wife more than 20 years ago, I really didn't travel. I've been to three states in the United States, and that was it. Uh, But since then, I've been to 19 states and 21 countries. Uh, We love to travel the world. And to be honest with you, I've worked for many of those countries. Uh, Don't let uh, travel interfere with your work because we can do it all digitally and virtually now. I would love to take a year off and just travel the world and see some areas that are not as popular. Go to some islands that are very small and uh, help them you know, with their economy by giving them some money and see some places that not everybody sees. I, I guess uh, that's probably my destination is remote areas of the world or interesting areas of the world. Cool. Awesome. Sounds like your wife has a good uh, influence on you there. <laughs> she is, and she's helped uh, drive me to this, to be the successful person I am now. That's awesome. Number two, if you could choose, what would be your last meal? It has to be surf and turf, lobster and filet. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm a fan of the turf, not the surf. <laughs> but I come from a landlocked state, so I, whatever. Right. <laughs> All right, number three, what is your favorite hobby that doesn't make you money? Video editing. I probably can make money off of it, but it's kind of a hobby. I love editing videos like my podcast or for friends and family. I do it for the American Marketing Association. We have a monthly meeting and we record it and I love editing it, making bumpers and figuring out challenges when it comes to editing content. Awesome. Excellent. So Hank, where can our listeners find you? You can find me probably on the first two pages of Google. If you search my name, Hank Hoffmeyer, my website is hankhoffmeyer.com. I work for J2 Global. You can go to j2global.com. I specifically work for our email platforms, which is iContact, Campaigner, and SMTP. If you have an email marketing need, let me know. Check out my book, The ABCs of the Customer Journey, A Beginner's Guide to Automation, Branding, and Customer Service. And if you're going to connect with me, just send me a personalized note to let me know that you listen to the show. And I'd love to have a quick conversation with you and maybe add you to LinkedIn and see how we can help one another. Excellent. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Hank, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Hank. Thank you for having me and always be growing, folks. The Unstuck Institute podcast is also brought to you by our awesome new life book. Want to get a handle on your life and where you're going? 
Lack of productivity keeping you down? Download our free workbook to get clear on where you want to go in life and use the Lifebook system to keep yourself on track and be more productive in your life. Download the Unstuck Institute Lifebook today at www.unstuck.institute slash lifebook. Remember, it's free. Hey Unstuckers, Chell here. If you know of a busy family who finds it challenging to cook meals at home and often finds themselves going out or ordering in, have them follow the link in the show notes to learn more about how I teach busy families to cook quick and easy meals, even on the busiest of weeknights. It's time for a recap. One, work like you're going to lose it. Two, pivot. You can start a business with a few hundred bucks. Three, ABL, always be learning. And that's a wrap on episode 116. Website and show notes are at www.unstuck.institute. And remember to follow us on Instagram at unstuck.institute. Go back to episodes one, two, and three to learn more about the Unstuck Institute, me and Chell. If you love our podcast, we would love it if you would help us out. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show a lot. And if you leave us a five-star written review, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a 30-minute brainstorming coaching session with me and Chell. For instructions on how to leave a review, go to our website, unstuck.institute. Talk to you next week when we'll be talking about six zones of working genius. You have to work hard and sometimes play hard. Stand by for dog.